Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope that this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you, so good to be in worship with you today. Welcome to all of you who are worshiping from many different locations this morning. Perhaps you're traveling on vacation, glad that you uh, checked into church. And what Leanne said about transferring from Push Pay to Shelby, we take very seriously because July is on its way and we need to keep the air conditioning on. Make the switch. Uh, We're in week three of our study on Romans I'll be reading from chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. If you would like to turn there, it'll also be on the screens in just a few minutes. But first, let's review of what's happened between 1.18 to 4.25. Not, we haven't preached on all of that content, but I know you're reading and studying Romans on your own time. So 1.18 to 4.25, Paul described the first feature that we see of the gospel, and that's that God has the power to save his human creation. God has the power to, I realize a lot of people are traveling right now, but somebody's going to have to talk back to me this morning. We're going to need to talk back to each other. Is that all right? God has the power to save his human creation. Everyone, whether Jewish or not, had knowingly rebelled against their creator. And possession of the Jewish law, as well as circumcision, made no difference in this rebellion. All of the people were deserving of God's wrath. In the present, we see in 118, and also at the future day of judgment, chapter 2, verse 5. But because God is gracious, he was unwilling to leave us in our depraved condition, so he rescued us by means of the atoning sacrifice of Christ Jesus. And those who rely on Christ are justified, meaning we escape punishment of God's wrath. And he made no distinction between Jew and Gentile, slave, free, barbarian, Scythian, male, female, no distinction. Christ was for all and in all, and that's what takes us all the way to Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, 
how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were still God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Is this good news to anybody today? The therefore in verse 1 is a turning point. As we approach Romans chapter 5 verse 1 all the way to chapter 8 verse 39, Paul describes this second feature of the gospel that we see. Yes, he has the power to save his human creation, but now what is its impact on the lives of those who have been justified by faith? And Paul is laser-focused on the movement in a, in a believer's life, your life and my life, from wrath to peace, from death to life, from slavery to sin to freedom, and especially from this past and present ravages of sin to the future glory of God. When I think about peace, I also tend to think about war. And I'm reminded of the World War I Christmas truce. Perhaps you've heard of this story or you saw it on a commercial promoting chocolate. That was a real thing. It was a commercial promoting. That's how I learned about it. On December 7th, 1914, Pope Benedict issued the following appeal to the leaders of Europe. Let the guns fall silent, at least upon the night that the angels sang. The countries at war refused to agree to an official ceasefire, but the soldiers in the trenches decided otherwise. At the first light of dawn on Christmas Day, some German soldiers emerged from their trenches and they approached enemy lines. And they called out in their enemy's native language, Merry Christmas. When it became clear that they were not armed, British soldiers emerged from their trenches as well and joined them. They shook hands. They sang Christmas carols together. They exchanged cigarettes and pudding. And it is even said that they played a game of soccer. The sounds of rifles firing and shells exploding were replaced for a day with singing and laughter. Artist Mary Evans powerfully illustrated this truce with the following drawing. Can you imagine with me for a moment how bizarre, but also how beautiful this moment was? How unexpected, but also vulnerable this moment in history was. One lieutenant present that day wrote the following, how marvelously wonderful, yet how strange it was. The English officers felt the same way. Christmas, the celebration of love, managed to bring mortal enemies together as friends for a time. Let me bring this back to Romans Chapter 5. 
you and I are a part of a fallen race, the human race. And because of our sin, you and I have been hunkered down in the trenches of a spiritual war, but on the wrong side of the battlefield. See, Scripture says we were enemies of God because of our sin. God's plan for you and me, though, is not a temporary interruption in this spiritual war. This is much bigger than what the lieutenant described of the Christmas truce, a temporary interruption of war. R.T. France writes this, our sin, just raise your hand if you can relate if you're a sinner today. Just raise your hand. I'm making sure everyone's listening. Raise your hand if you, okay, okay, good. Our sin has put hostility and wrath between us and God, and a mere ceasefire will never suffice. We are not meant to live under the cloud of an uneasy standoff with God based on self-righteousness or cheap grace. Instead, Jesus became incarnate, died, and rose so that believers might be adopted into God's own family and eat at the table with him in unbroken fellowship forever. Romans 5 is not about a temporary ceasefire that brings us together with God for a short time. It's about justification and peace and faith and grace and hope and reconciliation and the glory of God forever. And verse 1 contains some of the sweetest words that you and I could ever hear. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I said, we have peace with God because you know our sin puts us at war with God. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And it is impossible for me to highlight all of Romans 5, 1 through 11, at least in one sermon. So let me spend my remaining time today talking about hope. You know, boasting often has negative connotations throughout the book of Romans. You can see multiple instances in where Paul is writing, do not boast, but not in 5.2. Paul finds an appropriate reason to boast. In Romans 15, 13, he calls God the God of hope. So what is our hope? What is your hope? What are we hoping in? What are we to boast in? Our hope today is in this promise. Like our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, we will one day experience the incorruptible state of glory in which God himself dwells. That is our hope. You do realize that Christ is not a hope lined up against multiple other hopes in which you compare and contrast which seems more hopeful. You do realize that, right? You do realize that Jesus Christ is our only hope and perfectly sufficient in that role. So we hope in this promise like him, our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, we will one day experience this incorruptible state of glory in which God himself 
dwells. I approach this text tenderly today, perhaps more than if I preached it another day, because of the anguish within our community. I think we could all admit to growing a bit numb to the tragedies that strike communities that are not our own. But this week, our numbness has been awakened. This week, tragedy struck only four miles from here. I imagine there are many of you who knew one of the four victims that were murdered on Wednesday afternoon. So I confess to you today that applying Romans 5, verses 2 through 5, to all present suffering is simply too lofty for me to fully comprehend. Maybe you can relate. So when the unthinkable happens, when we look at and experience and walk in some of life's longest, darkest, and most difficult valleys, all we can do is boast in the hope of God. And when we learn to do that, we can testify in our suffering that God and God alone can bring good out of evil. God and God alone is the one who exchanges our ashes for his beauty. Much like what's happened in our community this week, suffering should cause Alarm and fear and panic and complaint. But for believers, afflictions initiate this chain of results. Perseverance, character, hope. Suffering is an ingredient that produces perseverance in the believer. The word here in the Greek is hupomone, a rough breathing mark for you Greek nerds, hupomone. If you're from Oklahoma, you remember at a young age, you're taught, at least if somebody cared for you, you're taught what to do when the tornado sirens go off. You go to an interior room wherever you're located. You pick a place that's not surrounded by windows. You get low. You cover your head with a mattress, comforter. And if you're like me, you were taught to hide in the bathroom. Because if you've ever helped with any kind of disaster relief, you know entire properties can be blown away. But what remains? The toilet. You've seen this. The toilet remains. So 
When these violent winds come through, you just gather around and hug a toilet. And when you hug the toilet, what do you do? You hope. You hope that you survive. Hupamone is not that kind of hope. The hupamone that we're trained to have in Scripture is not just holding on for dear life and hoping somehow that you're going to survive these strong winds and these violent storms. Hupamone is actually a patient endurance with an expression of cheerfulness, a cheerful perseverance, meaning when Paul's writing about this perseverance, he's saying persevere in a way that expresses vibrant hope in Jesus Christ. Not I'm holding on for dear life, hoping to make it out of here, but I can express as I hope my vibrant hope in Jesus Christ alone. Looking forward, no matter what's happening here and now, looking forward with great anticipation to sharing that all God is and all he has for us in our future, remembering that these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, and that we will go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, Acts 14, 22. Or as Charles Spurgeon once said, it is by perseverance that the snail reached the ark. This does not eliminate our pain. This does not eliminate the pain of loss. It does not eliminate the pain of divorce. This does not eliminate the pain of cancer. It does not eliminate the pain of fractured relationships, of chronic pain, of depression, anxiety, and so on. So please hear me today. I'm not preaching a sermon. Just be happy even though you're struggling. That's not, this, that, that's not a good sermon. <laughs> I see your struggle. Just, hey, just weather the storm. Time will pass. God's going to carry you through it. It doesn't eliminate our pain. So hear me today. Hope in our suffering doesn't eliminate our pain, but it does remind us of God's promise. We can have hope in our suffering. Not to be pain-free, but to be reminded of the promise of God for our lives. And hope, verse 5, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's the star of the show right there. The Holy Spirit always with us, never leaving us, never forsaking us. And Paul did not say God gave his love to believers. Paul said God poured out his love abundant love. The Holy Spirit gives us this inward assurance that God loves us 
deeply. And do you want some more good news today? Thank you. Thank you, Kip. Do all of you want some more good news today? Nothing can separate you from that love. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're battling, no matter what your struggle is, and I'm not minimizing those things, but I'm telling you today, Scripture promises, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Romans 8, 35. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory. Everyone say that with me. Overwhelming victory. Now say it like you're part of the victorious. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing, no thing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That promise is for you today. Nothing can separate you. Our family just got back from vacation to Disney World with 14,800,000 other people. And it's a once in a lifetime trip for us for two reasons. One, I think I can only afford it once in a lifetime. Two, I never want to go back (laughs) as long as I live. I don't want to go back to that place. It was a good trip. I feel like I was a part of an anthropological experiment, though. And here's what they were studying. How dumb are people? How much will they pay to get in the front doors? Dumb. And how long will they wait in line for a ride? I looked at my family at one point and I said, this is no way to live. (laughs) And you know I had a wonderful attitude the whole week, right? No, I didn't. What really got me is when we're running to get on the little train to get into Disney, because you're two miles away, and my family's running because I can see this thing's filling up and it's about to take off. And you know, I don't want to wait for the next train because it's going to be here in like four minutes and that's too long. (laughs) So the unhurry series that we did, I'm still working through that in my own life. So we're running and this is what got me, the, 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 the Disney guy. He goes, please stop running for your personal safety. 
You know what I told my wife? He better get out of my way for his personal safety. (laughs) Our last night there, we gathered around the table for dinner. Truthfully, I offered a few apologies to my family. And then I asked a few questions about our week, and I said, what was the best part of the week? And one of my kids said, sorry, one of my kids said, I loved getting on the rides because when we got on the rides, it made me forget all about the waiting. That's today's sermon. We're going to have days Weeks, seasons, and years that feel unbearable. But the day is coming when all of our waiting will be over. The day is coming like our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. We will finally experience the incorruptible state of glory in which God himself dwells forever. Until that day, remain hopeful. We get to take communion together today, and what a privilege that is. I want you to remember that this sacrament is not only a symbol of remembrance, of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his body, his blood, but this sacrament is also a declaration of hope. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, what do we do? We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, that's when the waiting is over. This is a proclamation, a declaration. So I call our communion stewards to come forward I also want to invite a wonderful young man in our church and a very recent high school graduate last month, George Ellis, who's going to come and lead our church through a prayer of confession prior to taking communion today. So, George, would you lead us in church? Would you pray with George? Most merciful God, we confess confess that we we have sinned sinned against against you in thought, word, word, Indeed, by what, by what we, we have, have done and by what, what we have, have left undone, we have not loved you with our heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Thank you, George. The words of institution will be on the screens for you to read as you pray, as you reflect, as you take the elements this morning. do invite you to come forward, front row to back row, exiting the left side of your section in the sanctuary. Uh, If you don't want to take communion today, that's just fine. Just please remain in your seat. Kneeling rails are, are available here at the front of the sanctuary if you prefer to kneel. 
And as you do take communion today, Parker and our team are going to play a song over us. I invite you to listen and reflect to these lyrics. Parker actually wrote this song. God gave him these lyrics uh, just a few months ago. So thank you for singing that over our church today. Come as you are ready. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ for you. May this be food for your spiritual journey. Table is open. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.